0: If you're a business owner out there and you're looking for an agency and you want to work with Matt or you want to work with us or some other agency, ask them for references, ask them for referrals, look at some of their work. You know, if they can't give you a list of 10 sites that they've built in the last two years, something's not right.
1: Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse.
2: Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. My name is Matt Rouse, and today my guests are John Shigarian and Brendan Egan. And our topic is a book that they wrote. It's 101 Tips from the Marketing Masters, Ways to Supercharge Your Marketing and Exponentially Grow Your Business. John and Brendan, how are you guys doing? Doing great, Matt. Appreciate you having us on. That's great. And you know what? This is actually since we've been recording remotely instead of, because we used to record in the studio half the time and half the time remote. But since we haven't been in the studio, this is the first time I had more than one person on the show at a time. So you guys are like groundbreaking now.
0: That's a good accomplishment. <laughs> and this is the first show we've been on that, that uh, I think we borrowed uh, the name of our book from the show. So we've got, we've got <laughs> right. things there going already for us.
2: Yeah. Well, it's obviously a good match, right? Exactly. I saw the, the, the message come in and, and I, with the name of your book, and I was like, wow, well, I can't really tell them no.
0: <laughs> you you're like, hey, should these guys be on, or should I be calling my copyright player? I'm not sure which one. <laughs> I was
2: like, they should, have, they should have sent me an email before they wrote their book. I could have thrown in. It could have had like 103 tips or something.
0: Yeah, we should have at least interviewed you, right, Matt? <laughs> That's
2: right. Get us some extra tips. Maybe we well, You can have like a like a second edition, ten more tips, including Matt. That's right. Now one hundred and eleven <laughs> tips. So actually, let me let me ask you this first. In the forewords in the book, I was reading, and you guys had a good story about kind of how you met. So I wanted to ask you about that. So how did you guys meet and kind of start working together?
0: It's a funny story, and uh, it, it is the forward in, in our book, Matt, as, as as you mentioned, this is going back several several years. Early on when I started my company in Chicago here, which was about 13 years ago, I started as, as a small SEO agency and I was literally sitting at my uh, at my desk one summer afternoon and the phone rang. It was an area code I didn't recognize. I took the call. It was John on the other end and he started telling me about all the different businesses he's founded and all the wonderful successes that he's had online over the years and that he was looking for somebody to work with. And candidly, I kind of thought he was a little crazy at first. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of dismissed him a little bit. And long story short, the next Monday morning, John ended up flying out to Chicago from LA and we sat down for our scheduled I think it was a 30 or a 60 minute scheduled uh, lunch at about three and a half hours later, we were still there and just really hit it off. And, you know, John actually found me from an interview that I did for a wonderful site called Idea Minch. Uh, if anyone that's not familiar with it, it's a web, kind of a self-interview site for entrepreneurs to tell their story and their journey. And so John, Found me on there and we hit it off the next Monday in person. And since then, we've been working together on a variety of projects. I started working for his brother's law firm, doing their marketing and helping that grow and started working with John's company, ERI, which is the biggest electronics recycling and ITAD company in the country, one of the biggest in the world. And over the years, we formed a partnership together, founded a second marketing agency called the Marketing Masters. We also have an investment company called BJ Industries, BJ being for Brendan and John and we invest in startups and help incubate them and grow tech companies. So we've done quite a bit together over the years. And I think it's uh, been a long several years, but I think it's just the start of what's going to be a very awesome long-term partnership together. And John, I don't know if I missed anything in our story that you want to fill in, but that's, uh, that's kind of the journey we've had so far.
3: And Matt, the best part of it all is we're like great friends. And I don't think we've ever had one fight. Now we've had disagreements, and and debated issues and brainstorm them. But Brendan is not only brilliant at what he's what he does in terms of marketing, but he's also one of the nicest people I've ever worked with in my entire life. And he's part of our family. He's very close with my daughter, my son, and my wife, and everybody here at all the companies that I'm associated with such as ERI and other things. So it's been a great partnership from day one.
2: Nice. Are you guys still in Chicago and LA or do you guys both in the same place now or are you guys still remote
0: we're still we're still on opposite ends of the country which actually works really well i'm still based in uh, chicago john is predominantly 90 percent in the la area and then pre-covid john used to actually live on an airplane more than he lived in his house i used to joke so he, he travels pretty frequently but we are on opposite ends of the country and it actually works really well you know both from a work standpoint as well as for managing our clients
3: Yeah, Matt, I'm in Fresno, California now, which is the headquarters of ERI. And ERI is the largest electronic waste recycling company in the United States. A lot has to do with also Brendan's great work in terms of his digital marketing with regards to ERI taking a very analog industry where it takes thousands of employees to break down old electronics and destroy the data and to protect the environment. He's marketed us online and done such a brilliant job it's really helped us grow over the last eight or nine years
2: nice so is your marketing agency are you guys 100 remote
3: we are 100 percent remote so when i started
0: my first company we, we did have an office and quickly transitioned out of that we use kind of just shared spaces you know we work type spaces when we need to but as you know matt i don't need to tell you this you know the marketing digital marketing industry is uh it's kind of a tough one, I think, to have an office unless you're a huge, you know, 500 employee company. It doesn't usually make a lot of sense to have everybody under one roof. So we're totally remote. And the company that John and I started, you know, seven years ago or so now, you know, we're also totally remote, which I think has its advantages. And I think a lot of companies, especially during COVID, are realizing how easy it is to work remotely. You know, obviously there's some inconveniences. We were just joking earlier before the interview about the landscaper next door it always seems to cut the grass when you're in the middle of a podcast or you know, the dog barks at the Amazon guy. But you know, aside from the the minor inconveniences, I think there's a lot of benefits to working remote. And I think that it allows our agency to get the best talent for our clients, which at the end of the day, that's really all that matters.
2: Yeah, it's true that you can distribute the ability to find good people to do work which is, I mean, sometimes tough, right? And my business partner's in Costa Rica and our administrator's in Costa Rica. Wow. And I'm in Oregon. On the other side of Portland, you know, our sound guy's down there. And we have a couple contractors that are in different places. And yeah, I mean, we had an office too. We did the same thing. So we kind of worked remotely for a bit. And then we had someone come on as as like an admin kind of sales related position. So we wanted to get an office so we could kind of be there together at the same time. And then I went to the office one day And I hadn't been there for a while. And then I checked the log because we had those scan cards to get into the office, the security card. And I checked the log and nobody had been in our office for 45 days. And I was like, (laughs) why am I paying for this thing? Right. So, yeah, we got rid of the office. And then uh, now we actually just use a nonprofit co-working space, which is a good model through the local chamber of commerce. They have a nonprofit space that's that's inexpensive. And uh, it's nice during the COVID because nobody's there. So. That's you just awesome. gotta go in whenever you want, and there's maybe one or two people there ever, and uh, everybody just sits in like a different corner of the building. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and and it's nice to have a space to go to when you need to like do a recording, or the internet's out, or they're mowing your lawn or something. You got to go record somewhere. You got somewhere you know reasonably quiet to go, or you know you need to use a giant printer for some reason. So the co-working space is always great. So I want to ask you this: it's totally off the topic of what i told you we were going to talk about i want to talk about electronics recycling for a second almost everyone i know has got a closet full of electronics that's old or broken or their drawer is full of phones what's the best way to recycle that stuff like do you guys just have places that you take them to or does your company have other recyclers that you take stuff from like how does that work
3: we have eight facilities nationally the closest one to you is in seattle And we cover every zip code in the United States. Now we have amazing clients and partners that have drop-off centers such as Best Buy and Staples. So people can responsibly recycle their old electronics by dropping them off at Staples or Best Buy and great brands like that that we work with and work for. But also we had started a contactless UPS or other type of logistics solution that's online where people could go to our website and order boxes to fit their needs, the size that fits their needs. And literally a driver will drop them off at their home or their business. And they can print the label at their own discretion and online order the pickup to be, to come back and pick up the box. And it goes back to one of our eight facilities. And not only does our, our facilities zero waste, zero landfill, zero emissions. So everything that gets recycled in terms of all the commodities that come out of it, Matt, such as steel and plastic and gold, aluminum, copper, silver, all of that goes for beneficial reuse to smelters. So it's zero landfill. But in this crazy world that we live in, where cybercrime during COVID-19 has grown at least four times, according to the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, who are clients of ours as well, it also destroys your data and whether it's your home data and your personal data that's on your cell phone or tablet or hard drive or it's your business or the entity that you represent. The data going away responsibly with the old electronic is now the one 2 punch of responsible electronic recycling.
2: The way that I used to do it is if by some miracle, my wife convinces me to get rid of like a 20 year old computer. I haven't used. Then I take the hard drives out and I keep them. Okay. No. <laughs> so I'm going to stack a hard drive still. Maybe I should send them to you. Right. We'll
3: destroy <laughs> yeah. them and I'll handle them personally. So, I mean, but that's, that's how really, that's the right way of handling things. now. And these other responsible recyclers out there, we happen to be the largest and have more facilities than anybody. And we handle every zip code. So that's how that, that industry works.
2: You know, and talking about cybercrime, just to, you know, keep getting sidetracked. I saw the the thing about Twitter where they had the celebrities and stuff where people had gone on their Twitter accounts and they had posted, you know, send me a thousand dollars to my crypto wallet and I'll send you two grand back or whatever. Right. I don't know who falls for that stuff. But anyway, I guess what they had said is the most likely way that the people broke in was probably from somebody plugging a piece of hardware that they had found that wasn't theirs into their computer, most likely a cable or something like that. And people don't understand that. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Kevin Mitnick. He's like the most famous hacker in the world, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. He had a thing on LinkedIn last week where they showed a video and they have keyboards, mice, cables and stuff that have a chip embedded in the cord that can deploy stuff like keyboard loggers and so that it you know, for people who aren't familiar, that logs all every keystroke on your computer, stuff that will download your data and remotely send it over Bluetooth to a phone or to someone nearby, stuff like that. So if you find like a cable at Starbucks because your phone's dying, don't plug your phone into it, you know.
0: There's more to that too, Matt. John and I are actually in the middle with John's two partners at ERI, Kevin and Aaron. We're in the middle of launching our second book, which is going to be on cybersecurity. And there's a lot to that, both You know, random cables. There's some articles about cables that are coming from overseas that are being sold on Amazon that have those those things built into them. Uh, There's been a lot of research on plugging into a USB port as opposed to an actual power port at airports and on airplanes and different public spaces. So. I really got to be careful because people don't realize the implications of the hardware side of cybersecurity. Everybody thinks it's a software issue, but as software becomes tighter and tighter and and that, you know, that's been an industry that's been worked on since the dawn of technology, now I feel like the this new 2020 decade that we're in is really going to be the decade of hardware cybersecurity issues.
2: Yeah, and and the social engineering side is also so powerful that nobody really understands. Some of it is is even as simple as just taking a company's logo and getting it printed on a thumb drive and putting the virus and some other stuff on the thumb drive and just dropping it in a parking lot at a company. And somebody sees the logo of their company on it and they plug it into their computer to see whose it is.
3: Matt, you bring up really one of the biggest trends that's growing for the years to come. I'll give you a couple of examples. First of all, $3 trillion approximately were stolen by cyber criminals in 2015. They predict this year the number is $6 trillion. So when you go back to that old adage of crime doesn't pay, truly in the cyber world, it does because these are faceless crimes for the most part. Second of all, they've taken advantage of this COVID-19 tragedy. We are all distracted. One way or another, we're more distracted than we've ever been. Now, that, that's not to say we're typically not distracted and all have some version of ADD with all the electronics and digital wonderful tools that we have in front of us now, whether it be, you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime or just text messaging and Instagram and everything else. But with the COVID 19 crisis, we're more distracted than ever before, and they're now they're doubling down. And therein lies a full recipe for disaster, whether it's for people's personal information or for the entity that they work for. So that's why taking extra care right now and beyond is really, really important.
2: Yeah, it's just, I, I know that this isn't the topic that we came to talk about, but it's super important still. I just, I see so much stuff and they're getting so smart about it too, right? Like I'm getting stuff about like, your Twilio account is out of credits for SMS messaging or like your AWS needs a, you know, an update or something, right? Like these are systems that the average person wouldn't use, right? You know, the average consumer is not building out virtual servers on Amazon web services, but there's people trying to fish for those logins and passwords to use that stuff, so.
3: Yeah, and honestly, given the core of your show, These are digital crimes, whether it's through software or through hardware. These, for the most part, are digital crimes. So I think it's a great topic that you brought up and it's timely and it's important that your listeners, you know, hear a little bit about it because it's it's just getting worse and worse.
2: It's true. But let's get back to talking about marketing for a minute, because I know that's what we came to talk about. So your book is 101 Tips from the Marketing Masters. How about I know there's a few sections in the book. Do you guys want to maybe drop me like a tip or two from each section? Uh, You don't have to like give away the farm, but so why don't we start with like marketing basics? What do you think is one of the marketing basics that people need to use?
0: We might be here, Matt, for a while just because, (laughs) uh, as you mentioned, it is 101 tips that say whopping something pages long. I forget the page count. But what we did, Matt, is we John and I broke the book up into 11 different parts. And so each of the parts contains, you know, roughly 10 or so chapters and we kind of sat down with the lens of saying, hey, what are things that a business owner needs to know about marketing? And so we wrote the book really geared towards business owners that either want to do their own marketing in-house and be involved with their marketing or want to know how to oversee someone like you, Matt, or someone like us, you know, an agency that's doing the work and be able to talk the talk and know, you know, who's who's real and who's not. Because unfortunately, Matt, as you know, in, in this wonderful marketing world that we're in, there's probably nine guys that can't do what they're going to say for every one guy that does. So we wanted to kind of give business owners the ability to really get a little bit deeper than they usually do in their marketing. And I think would be helpful, Matt, just, you know, given the time that we have, I can go through and I have five kind of chapters from the book that I think are my personal favorite that are things that have resonated well with our audience. So I'll, I'll go through some of those. And if we want to throw in a couple bonuses for your listeners, we have time at the end, we can do that as well. How's that work? All
2: right, that's good. Let's do
0: it. Let's do it. So first one is something that a lot of business owners don't think about. It's chapter two in our book, and it's titled, Is My Business or Product Marketable? So a lot of times, and, and our agency, Matt, we work with about 300 clients. And a lot of times, I get the phone call from a, from a prospective client saying, Hey, here's my problem. I've worked with 18 different SEO agencies. They all suck. They all, None of them can do what they say they're going to do. Can you guys blow us up? And I look at their business, and I say, Hey, We could get you guys ranked on the first page for every keyword in the world, but you have X, Y, and Z problem, right? You need to straighten out whatever's going on with your business. You identify who are your actual target customers. You know, what are they currently buying? Is your product a replacement? Is it a commodity? Is it something unique about your product? You know, why are they buying it? Why do they need it? And what will make them buy it from you, you know, and just just simple questions about the company itself and how they're marketing and positioning themselves in the marketplace. Some of that comes to their marketing strategy. Some of it comes to their actual core mission statement of the business. And some of it comes to their sales strategy. And more times than not, companies come to us asking for one thing, but they need to do five other things before we can get to that one thing. Right. So they come to us and say, hey, I want to grow my traffic. I want to get more sales. And we say, hey, we can do that but you're wasting your time and money unless you do these things first. And so I think businesses need to make sure before they embark on any sort of new marketing campaigns, whatever it may be, whoever it may be with, that they have kind of all their ducks in a row in terms of just making sure that their product and their service and their business is actually marketable in the first place and is set up for success.
2: I can't tell you how many phone calls and emails I get where somebody, I can tell, they don't say it, but I can tell someone told them, hey, you know what you should do? You should do X, Y, Z. And then they find me because I do one of those things. And then they tell me about it, but they have missed the other 10 steps they need to do before that. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Or they have I find a lot of times they have a poor either a poor product market fit. Right. So it's they haven't quite thought the whole thing through yet or. They don't have good processes and procedures in place. So if they did advertise and they do start to blow up, then their business is what's actually going to blow up.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Or, or the flip side of it. We just took on a client last spring, uh, e-commerce site that had a 0.7% conversion rate and their website was atrocious. And they said, Hey, we need, we need more traffic. And I said, no, no, you don't. I said, you're getting 15,000 visitors a month right now. You need to convert the traffic that you're getting, you know? So it's always a matter of, of working with someone experienced. I think Matt, that, you know, that can tell you, Hey, here's what you need to do in the order you need to do it in. Cause if you start throwing you know money at step five, before you finish steps one through four, you're just, you're not going to see the ROI that you should see. Right. That's absolutely true. So, what's the next one? Next one, let's jump to the world of SEO. Let's talk about long tail keywords. So, Matt, I know you're a SEO uh, guru, and I'm sure that you guys incorporate long tail into your strategy. And so, a lot of our customers, uh, I'll use John and ERI as an example. I remember several years ago sitting in a ERI board meeting in Los Angeles, and I remember giving our digital marketing update, and a couple of board members. Literally pulled out their phones and they're sitting there Googling random words and they go, hey, I just punched in this word and that word and this word and that word and ERI doesn't come up. So you guys must not be doing your job. I said, no, we're doing our job. I said, We're getting, you know, double digit leads per day sometimes for ERI from Fortune 500 companies. Our Web traffic is the highest in the industry and growing, you know, twofold every year. I said, here's our keyword set. And they said, well, how do you know people are looking for that? And I said, well, because we researched those, those keywords. And these are the keywords, both competitive and long tail. And they said, well, you know, no one's actually searching for these long tail terms. And I said, well, here's the data. Yes, they are. And not only are they searching, but they're actually contacting us. So a lot of business owners and a lot of people that aren't in the SEO world, I think, don't understand the importance of keyword research and then picking proper long tail keywords. Not everything is Black and white in terms of, hey, I need a tarp, I'm going to Google tarp, or hey, I need a car, I'm going to Google car, right? You might sit there and Google, you know, what is the best car for commuting 50 miles a day, right? That might have not as much search traffic as the keyword car, but it's somebody very qualified, it's somebody looking for something very specific, And as you know, Matt, with more and more people doing voice searches and, you know, different technology that exists, Google's really become a question answer engine, in my opinion. So long tail keywords are kind of the way to go. And chapter 21 in our book talks all about that, why they're important. We have a couple follow up chapters after that talking about how to find them, you know, some of the tools that we use to do the research and then how to actually optimize your site to rank for those.
2: Right. A good good way to kind of describe the long tail is you know, everybody's seen the chart where you have kind of the exponential hockey stick graph, right? And the long tail is the bottom 50% of that graph. But a good way to describe it is is when you look at sales of a company like Amazon, 50% of their sales are the top sellers and 50% is the long tail, right? So half of all of the traffic, usually on websites, comes from the long tail. And it may come from, you know, half of the traffic comes from 10 keywords And the other half comes from a different 150 keywords, right? With just a small amount of traffic to each one. But a lot of times those long tail keywords, like you were talking about, like voice search and stuff like that, those longer keyword phrases are what's going to drive business more and more because people are going, you know, hey, Siri, how do I get such and such? Right. Instead of where if they're on Google, they would just type in such and such.
0: That's exactly true. And I don't know if, Matt, this is an old stat. It's from like 2014, 2015. But at the time, and I'm sure there's a lot of truth to it still in 2020, the stat was that 42% of all searches on Google have never been performed before. So every, you know, 42% of searches are something that somebody worded something differently, semantically spelled something differently, did something different than, than other people. And I'm sure that number is lower today, just given how many searches have been done between now and then. But, you know, there's still a, a huge amount of searches that people do that are, are unique, that they're asking a question, like you said, they're asking Siri or Alexa or asking someone, you know, some sort of question. And it's important, as you said, to, to take, you know, take that hockey stick curve and, and make sure that your business is taking advantage of that long tail.
2: right. One thing that's super interesting that you said, too, is when you're sitting in the meeting and people start, you know, typing in in like queries and they, well, you don't come up for this keyword. Well, you're not your customer, right? If you're sitting in a boardroom, you are different than 95 percent of people on the planet, at least. Right. And business owners need to remember that they are not the customer, just because you are an owner of a business or you're a manager or, you know, some kind of leadership role or decision making role, you are different than everyone else. You act differently. You will search differently. You have different intent when you're doing things and consumers do things a lot different, right? Your average consumer who's looking for a product is going to search in a way that is based on their kind of way that they have in the past discovered things. So there's kind of a discovery path to go down, whereas people who are business owners and stuff generally have less time and they just want to get the things done and they already know a little bit about how search works. They're going to type in totally different keywords than your client is going to type in.
0: I'll, I'll take you through Matt. One other example on that topic: there's a, there's a stretch of highway here in Chicago by the airport. We we kind of nickname it Billboard Row because there's just a, an array of billboards on either side of the highway. And you know, you look at the billboards and you see everything from hair transplants to weight loss to McDonald's and everything in between. And I always use this analogy with customers when they say, "Hey, I googled all these different keywords and we're we're not the number one spot, right?" And I say, "Well, if you drive down the highway and you buy a billboard," Are you going to buy all 5,000 billboards or are you going to buy one or two of them and you're going to be okay with the results I get? And they said, well, I would never buy 5,000 billboards. I said, well, well then why do you think you're going to rank for every single keyword in your industry? It's just not realistic, right? So I think businesses, when they do SEO, they think that every single keyword is going to be theirs. And that's not the case. There's other... Competition. There's other businesses in the space. There's always going to be other people out there, right? There's only 10 spots on that first page of Google. So I think when we use the analogy of a billboard ad or a radio ad or a TV ad that, hey, just because you're buying that doesn't mean you get, you know, 24-7 airspace. When we kind of explain it through that lens, I think customers start to get it a little bit more and they start to realize that, hey, we have a... Uh, a finite set of keywords that we can go after, you know, based on whatever our budget is or, you know, whatever we're looking to do. And if we rank for those, obviously, then we're going to we're going to find success.
2: Right. And just one other kind of note on that, that I've, I've heard a lot in the past, too, is that because it's organic search where you're not paying for placement, like like you would pay for with an ad, people immediately think that that work somehow should be free. Right. And, right. It is completely not <laughs> the case. Right. It still takes effort. You know, the time and money that is involved to, to rank well nowadays, it takes a lot of software, takes a lot of know-how, takes a lot of tools, a lot of experience, a lot of staff. All of that stuff costs money, right? And so to get the quote free clicks, right, costs a lot of money to get the work and stuff put into those. But then once you do the work, then it kind of pays off over the long run. And and you guys know, I don't need to tell you why don't we just well, let's move right on to the next one.
0: All right. Perfect. Uh, Next one I got is from our uh, web design chapter. So web design inherently, I don't think is, is necessarily part of marketing, but I think that if you don't approach it from a marketing lens, obviously you're going to be in a world of trouble. So chapter 59, Matt, in our book is the connection between marketing and web development. A lot of businesses, their web functions live in an IT silo, especially as you start dealing with larger, medium-sized businesses and larger businesses, you know, publicly traded companies. IT becomes the go-to person for their website. And when that happens, bad things happen, both from an SEO standpoint, from a pay-per-click standpoint, from an email standpoint, from a messaging standpoint, a branding standpoint, you name it. And there's problems and the website might work great. It might function properly from a technical standpoint, but they miss out on 15 other things. So this chapter talks a little bit about the importance of making sure that your marketing team is very well entrenched with your website. You know, we as an agency started as an SEO company and about two years in very quickly said, Hey, we need to offer web design and web development because working with third parties just isn't cutting it. And we, you know, the website is so tied to whatever activity we're doing, whether we're doing an SEO campaign or a pay-per-click campaign, or even an offline campaign, you know, the website is so important. It's your company's best salesperson. It's your hub. It's your 24-7 resource. And so making sure that your marketing and your website are tied together, you know, both from a marketing standpoint, also from a technical standpoint, I can't tell you, and I'm sure Matt, you deal with this all the time, you know, smaller clients that we work with who come in and they say, hey, I just built a new website using Wix or Squarespace or GoDaddy or whatever it may be, right? You know, you say, hey, okay, it looks." Okay, it doesn't look great, but, you know, you've got 7000 lines of code to show a page that doesn't even scroll down or you've got no title tags or this page is not indexed or all the different miscellaneous technical aspects that come with that, that, you know, the average person doesn't realize. And, you know, you feel a little bit weird sometimes when you sell them a new website and you say, hey, you guys really need to get into a better platform. You need to have a custom built website. You need something that's coded properly. And they kind of say, you know, they kind of kick back a little bit and I can't even tell you how many Projects we've lost because we've said, hey, we're not going to take you on as, as an SEO client because you're in the wrong website platform and we're just going to spin our tires. I'm not going to take your couple thousand dollars a month or whatever it may be and have this awkward conversation in six or 12 months as to why you're not ranking because you don't want to listen to us and, you know, have your foundation, your website done properly from the beginning. So I can't emphasize enough the importance of having a properly built website, both from a technical standpoint, but also from a marketing standpoint, if you want to really be serious about your business's marketing
2: hundred percent true. I I just ran into a problem with Squarespace the other day that a client was having. It was something super simple. It was just be the ability to change the size of a logo when you went to a mobile platform versus and it just it just doesn't exist in their software. And like I talked to support and everything I've dug through their forum for an hour trying to figure it out. Apparently that problem's been there for four years. I mean, I don't want to bash on Squarespace, but I mean, honestly, fix your shit.
0: <laughs> I, I, I will bet on the map. I remember the first Squarespace client we took on eleven years ago, and we took on two or three after that. And literally, our policy is that if you have a Squarespace site, we won't work with you. It's it's that cut and dry. Sorry, but we won't do it. It's just it's not worth the headache. And and they've gotten a little bit better in recent years, but from an SEO standpoint, forever they were the worst platform out there, and they still have a lot of issues with duplicate pages and duplicate content and duplicate URLs and it's it's just not worth the time the the time that you put in trying to fix that is five times what it would be to just build a website properly in you know wordpress or a custom site or whatever it may be and actually have something right from the beginning so i know i know customers don't like to hear that and i can't even tell you how much business we've lost because of that but i feel like it's the right thing to do for for the client
2: yeah, but the, you got to remember, it's not how much business you've lost. Imagine how much business they've lost because they wouldn't listen to you, right?
0: It's astronomical. And 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 that's, you know, Matt, it brings up a good point that, you know, you don't know who to trust in this world these days. Anybody can go out there and, you know, write a book, start a podcast, open a business. And, you know, you've, you've been doing this for a while, so you get the space that we're in. And it's, it's hard for business owners. You know, I always tell people, and there's a chapter in our book about this, I'll just kind of mention it a little bit, but... If you're a business owner out there and you're looking for an agency and you want to work with Matt or you want to work with us or some other agency, ask them for references, ask them for referrals, look at some of their work. You know, if they can't give you a list of 10 sites that they've built in the last two years, something's not right. You know, if they can't give you a couple of SEO clients that are ranking well or that are, are good case studies, you know, run away from them. There's there's plenty of good companies out there that have the the bandwidth to take you on and have the experience and have the, you know, the truth to back it up and it's important that business owners do the research because there's a lot of, you know, as we move along and as I've noticed a lot, Matt, and I'm sure you've seen it a lot, not to get off too far on a tangent. But, you know, I'm constantly targeted on Facebook and on different ad platforms for all these so-called gurus that are, you know, 21 year old kids that are working, you know, working out of their mom's basement that claim that they're the greatest at SEO for lawyers or for dentists or whatever it may be. And, and they've literally been doing this for three weeks and they don't care what they do to your business. They're out there to make a quick buck they have no reputation to stand on and you know that's not to say that somebody new can't do a good job because we were all new at some point but you know do do your homework and if you're an established business Work with someone else who's established, who has the track record and can show you the results that you need, because that's going to you know, get rid of 90 percent of your headache. And the, the guys that are out there for a quick buck, they'll work with Squarespace or Wix or whatever because they don't care. They just want to take you out of the client and make money. The guys that say, hey, we need to do this first and, you know, it's going to invest a little bit, but you're going to see a better ROI in the long run if you do it this way. You know, those are usually the guys like like yourself, Matt, or like us that are, are worth working with. Even though you might spend a few bucks more up front, you're going to see a, a much bigger ROI in the long run.
2: Yeah. I mean, as a business owner, do you want somebody who's looking out for your best interest or do you want somebody who's looking out for their pocketbook?
0: Exactly. That's well said. It's better than I could say, Matt.
2: Thanks. <laughs> 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 no, I 100 uh, percent agree. 100 percent agree.
0: I, I know Matt. I know we're I know we're getting a little long and tight on time, but I'll take you through a couple more tips. So I've got two more. Yeah, go ahead. In the book, Don't so. worry
2: about the time is, you know what? You can never be too long. It can only be
0: too boring. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I hope we're not being too bored to those listening. So I think, we're, I think, it's, um, I
2: think a lot of people are going to get some value out of it. And, you know, it's important as a business owner. I, I, you know what? I don't mind taking an extra, you know, another minute because like I see in the forums for agencies, right? So there's groups and forums and stuff like that. If you're an agency owner that you go into and you guys could confirm this every single day, somebody goes into one of those groups and they go, hey, guys, I have a client and I ran a couple Facebook ads for them and I'm not getting any traction. What do you guys do to get sales on Facebook? And they're taking somebody's money and they don't know how to do it. And now they're trying to ask other agency owners, how do you do this thing that I took somebody's money for that I don't know how to do?
0: I I said, Matt, when I got in this industry, I, I come from a family full of lawyers and we do a lot of work with legal clients as an agency. And I said, you know, we need the equivalent of a bar exam for marketers. We need some sort of accrediting agency, and this was 13 years ago, and here we are in 2020, and there's still, you know, really nothing of that standard. But that's the problem: is that anybody and their and their brother can go in here and say, "Hey, I'm an, I'm a marketing guru. I'm an expert." Some of them make up case studies, you know. So you got to really ask for a reference that you can call and actually vet and make sure it's legit. You know, we, when we do proposals, we automatically put four or five at the end of our proposal, you know, and say, Hey, call away. You know, our, our customers love us so much. They don't mind getting bombarded with phone calls and verification because they've gone through 10 agencies as well. And they're happy to work with us, you know, so do your homework, but it's, it's amazing how many guys are out there, Matt, to your point that, you know, claim they're a guru at whatever it may be, Facebook ads, email marketing, SEO, you name it. And they're on there in these forums asking people like you and me, hey, how should I be doing this? Because I'm not getting results. So, you know, we all, we all brainstorm. I've got a great group of agency owners that I bounce ideas off of. And, you know, it's one thing to look for different perspectives, but it's another thing to just not even know where you're going with it.
3: You know, Matt, you bring up a great point. And part of my backstory was I started a com in 98 and I was thrown out of every VC office and my partners and I just bootstrapped it eventually and Google was founded in 1998, just for perspective for your listeners out there. And r.com actually was one of the breakthrough dot coms of that era and actually became very, very successful and large. It was called financialaid.com. But I share that with you, Matt, and with your listeners, because I got advanced degree, an MBA in digital and online marketing. And the only thing I got was perspective. By the time I sold that company, We were doing billions a year in loan origination, not in revenue, but our revenue was also quite large. And we were one of the largest advertisers online from 99 through 2004 when we sold the company. And why I got together with Brendan is I've met every fraud and charlatan and good people along the way. But one of my pieces of advice to your listeners is once you meet someone who you know has great quality and character, and a lot of brains and energy, then you stick with them. These reasons why the Patriots have won so many Super Bowls with Brady and Belichick, when you keep the same team together, and this goes for digital and online marketing, you, you build a trust and also an industry knowledge of what's going on and what's to come that you're able to succeed week after week, month after month. And that's one of the keys to success in this whole digital landscape. Because today, compared to 98, now remember, that's 22 years ago. Not a lot of years, but in the the digital world, that's generations ago. And the reason why you can continue to succeed is you create a team and you create an energy around what you're trying to do. And you can win over and over again. And those that keep zigging and zagging and changing their partners, because it was their idea to do a campaign that their digital marketing team had said not to, they went against it. They said, do it. Then it didn't work out. They said, well, I'm going to change teams. And they changed team after team after team. And they, they, they literally digital marketing shop year after year. They never get anywhere. And brands just never get any light of day, even if they have a substantive brand. So to me, picking the right person or team and then sticking with them is one of the real keys to digital success.
2: Especially in the SEO and branding world, because it takes a long time, right? It takes a long time to oh. build a brand, takes a long time to build up all of the assets and stuff that you need and, and the connections online and You know, I was just talking the other day with a client. They're moving their office, right? Because they don't need as big of an office anymore because their staff's working from home. They have this huge $19,000 a month lease or something. They're going to cut down to like eight grand. So yeah, they're going to save $100,000 a year. Yeah, they want to move. But now they're looking at, you know, 90 to 120 days before all the online places get the new address. And it's going to take, you know, I mean, the big ones are done in a day, but, you know, like somebody's got like some old Garmin GPS or something that's going to take six months to update, you know, stuff like that happens. And, and it's just, it's, you can't do it overnight.
3: Yeah. I mean, a guy like Brendan who runs not only marketing masters, but runs all the digital for ERI, he knows our industry as well as the co-founders of the company. And he's able to not only help us navigate the current times, but he's also able to help foreshadow what's to come and keep us apprised with the digital intelligence that it's going to take for us to succeed, not only this year, but next year and beyond. And that's why our brand has broken out from all of our competition over the years. So finding the right group to work with and then sticking with them and treating them like a partner so then they're invested in you and your brand is truly one of the keys to success that people miss all the time.
2: Yeah, you need your agency to be an extension of your company. They need to be either replacing or augmenting your marketing department and not just some outside force that you have to deal with sometimes. <laughs> you know, it needs to be a-
3: and treated like a replace, right? And treated like they can be replaced at any given time. It's not the way to treat a digital agency that you found that pre- performs and does high quality. It's and it's also not a price thing. You 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 really do pay for what you you know you get what you pay for. And again, when people are just price shopping and changing on 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 price as well, they never get ahead.
2: Yeah, if somebody says, hey, I'm shopping around for SEO service, I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs>
3: right. Good luck. I think, I think that you
0: have the nail on the head there, though. The, the difference is that the people that are, you know... There's a difference between an agency and a service provider. Right. And so we're running agencies. Right. We're running extensions of your marketing department or we are your marketing department. If you want to manage everything in house and you just want a vendor or a service, then sure, go shop around. If you just have one specific task you want them doing. But if you want them responsible for results and you want them actually getting you results and being an extension of your company, you know, an agency is what you're looking for. And there might be people that call themselves agencies that aren't. But cut through that tape and make sure who you're working with is really a legitimate agency.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we have one more tip, right? I've got two more quick ones. One of
0: them we already talked a little bit about, but this one's pretty quick, Matt. Chapter 90 is the importance of properly managing your leads. Can't tell you how many clients we work with that we get great results, we generate more traffic for them, we generate leads, and they have an awful lead system. There's a law firm that we worked with for a while. We were getting them about 50 to 100 leads a day and they didn't have the right answering people, I I would place test calls, you know, it'd ring for five minutes, nobody would answer, I'd go to voicemail, i leave a test voicemail, nobody calls me back, they get my info, they call me once, they don't follow up with me, they don't have a drip system, they don't have any sort of follow-up process or sales process, so kind of goes back to a little bit where we started with, you know, before you start generating more traffic and whatever that tactic may be, make sure you have the systems in place to handle that and companies don't realize that, You know, when you go from getting the sporadic lead here or there to all of a sudden having a true marketing system in place that generates you consistent leads, that you need to have a very consistent process for answering those leads, following up with them and handling them to make sure that you actually close them and see value out of it. So as a business, make sure that you have those processes in place. And as an agency, you know, that's something that we work a lot with our clients with in terms of getting them in a CRM system, helping them get their marketing automation in place you know, setting up their email sequences and their drip sequences and once their salespeople actually be calling them back or meeting with them. So just make sure you have a good system in place. Otherwise, the leads that you do generate are going to go wasted.
2: Right. Follow up. So, so, so important. There's lots of industries. Legal is one of them. Real estate's another one. You know, any kind of things tied to real estate, mortgage title, that kind of stuff. There's also the insurance industry seems to have a problem with people following up. I don't want to bag on them and say, oh, you know, you guys are crap, you follow up. But the fact of what usually happens is they start to use a marketing agency or they get a campaign going and the leads start coming in. So then they start getting busy doing the work and then they can't take the overflow of clients of whoever normally answers the phone or who needs a question answered or whatever it is. And then people get lost in the shuffle because they don't have any way to sort these people or, you know, they don't have a good CRM system or something and then, you know, the the money's in the follow up. Everybody knows that.
0: Exactly. And what happens, you know, not to again, not to bash a particular industry, but for whatever reason, legal seems to be one that we work a lot in that has this issue. But, you know, you, you get in there, everybody gets excited. You're dealing with the partners. They they're excited about this new campaign and they're so disconnected from the front desk or the call answer or the, you know, the intake person or whatever it may be that you know, you get a call three or four months later and say, hey, you know, we've seen a couple of good cases come in, but where are the rest of them? And it's, well, you're, you're leaving half your stuff on the table because you're not handling your leads properly. So, you know, whatever industry it may be, whether it's a lead, whether it's a sale, whatever, you know, whatever it may be, just make sure that you're properly handling it and following up on it and giving them the best customer service possible from day one. Otherwise you're, you know, you're leaving money on the table.
2: Right. And what do people do now? They go on the internet, they go, any legal defense in whatever their city is or, you know, whatever they're gonna type in. And then they just go down the list. They call the first one. If they don't answer it, they don't leave a message. They hang up, they go to the next one, and they go to the next one until somebody answers the phone and talks to them.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I can't tell you how many times I, I've personally done that. You know, you're looking for whatever it may be and you sit there and you you know it's it's four in the three or four in the afternoon and you're like, Hey, this place is open. Why is you know, why is nobody answering the phone or why am I on hold for 15 minutes? So there, there's there's more to that than most people realize and it's uh it's kind of one of those little things that if you get it right, it really helps you see a much better ROI and stand out versus your competitors.
2: I heard a really great statistic. Well, I don't know if it's great, but it, it will will shed some light on this. So what they did is they surveyed 10,000, 10,000 consumers and thousand business owners. They asked the business owner, if somebody asks you a question on social media, how long should you have to respond? And the average answer was 48 hours. And they asked consumers how long should it take for a business to respond when you ask them a question on social media. And the average response was 12 minutes. Wow. So consumers are expecting a response in 10 to 15 minutes. And wow. business owners are giving responses in 48 hours. So you can see where the problem is because you can just go to the next one and send them a message and go to the next one and send them a message and go to the next one and send them a message, the them a message
0: right? Exactly.
2: All right. So what's the last one?
0: Last one is is super easy because we already talked about a lot of it. But so as we get to the end of our book, Matt, chapter 96 is called Putting Words into Practice. So the key to any marketing strategy is tying everything together and making sure that all the individual components of your marketing strategy are working in harmony and working together. And that starts with your brand, your website, whatever tactics you use, whether it's SEO, email, cold calling, whatever your strategies are, everything needs to be tied together if you want to see success. And if any one of those pieces is disconnected or is not tied together, you're either not going to see success or you're leaving money on the table. So really chapter 96 talks a little bit about how to tie everything together, different strategies that we've used as an agency to help our clients kind of develop a cohesive marketing and sales strategy. And the last five chapters after that, actually dive into some case studies of what we've done for some of our clients. And I I felt that was important not to tout us as an agency, but to show some real world examples of, hey, here's some of the problems that we come upon. And here's the fairly simple solutions that we can implement based on our experience to solve them and really get companies the success they're looking for and help them see ROI. So I'm sure as you know, Matt, I'm sure you preach that to your, your customers as well. But just making sure that you have a good strategy and making sure that you're following that strategy and not getting distracted is really the key to to a successful campaign.
2: Oh my god, shiny object syndrome is everywhere.
0: Exactly. Right?
2: And it's terrible now that everybody's at home because they're doing more more searches than they would normally be at work, right? are searching for more different stuff. Have you seen, uh, I forget what it's called, it's like the MarTech 500 or something that was like where they have the 500 pieces of marketing software, except now it's like the MarTech like 7,000 or something.
0: It's it's ridiculous. There's so much and I I can't even tell you how many times I get an email from a client and they're like, hey, are you using this or using that or using this? And I'm like, no, you know, if you want me to use 800 different softwares that each cost, you know, $1,000 a month, you know, we'll, we'll increase your bill accordingly. Right. But You don't need, you know, just because these software companies or whatever it may be are good at their marketing and and are convincing you that you need them, chances are you don't. You know, the number as an agency, I don't know about you, Matt, but the number of recurring pieces of software that we pay for on a monthly basis, it's less than 10. It's probably less than seven, I want to say, you know, and there's there's thousands and thousands and thousands of these softwares out there and things that are being flashed in front of, you know, different businesses that you need this, you need that. But the reality is that you don't. You need a couple of tools to support what you want to do and you need somebody that's willing to roll up their sleeves, do the work and has the experience to do it. And at the end of the day, that's really all you need.
2: Yeah. We have three or four pieces of research software, maybe a handful of, of tracking analytics type tools. And then, I mean, the stuff that we use to run our business like payroll and CRM and that kind of stuff, project management, but you know, we have maybe a dozen tools that we use on a recurring basis. And uh, the nice part is that as an agency, We can buy the high end version of the tool and spread that cost between all the clients. So as a client, if you could never afford to buy all those tools, right, like Joe, the plumber down the street who has five employees, can't afford to spend two thousand dollars a month on software. Right.
0: Right. Right. We can. Right. Customers don't realize that, Matt. I'm an, I'm an avid, John will tell you, I'm an avid do it yourselfer or if I can roll up my sleeves and do something myself, I usually do. And don't want to bore your listeners, but I'll tell you a 30 second story. I was putting mulch in my garden bed and I went to the garden center and it was like a hundred bucks for a, for a yard of mulch. And I called my buddy who's a client of mine, who's a landscaper. And I said, Hey, can you, can you guys just mulch this for me? And he gives me the bill and it was like, a yard. It was $25 a yard less for him to install it and buy the mulch than for me to just buy it and go out there and sweat for six hours putting it in. And, you know, businesses don't realize that as an agency, you know, we get a lot of times we get discounts on stuff in the first place because we're an agency. But, you know, when you can spread those costs across, you know, however many dozens or hundreds of clients you have as an agency, you know, becomes almost negligible. And, and. You know, I I had actually we just took on two years ago, a client who had somebody in house and they were literally spending five thousand dollars a month just on different tools that that person was using. Plus that person's salary. And we came in and literally, you know, cut their costs in half. They ended up laying that person off and now we handle all their marketing. They're getting way better results and they're paying half the price they were. So, you know, countless stories of of just, you know, getting rid of that stuff and, and finding better ROI because of it.
2: Yeah, there's, there's some, you know, know-how and experience that can save companies. A lot of a lot of companies don't realize that they can outsource a lot of their marketing and advertising for less money than they're already spending and get more benefit, right? I had a company, kind of a multi-state, multi-location business, service industry business, and uh, we just started out doing an audit on their Google advertising. And they had one keyword that got in there. I don't know if it was a typo or what they did, but it was not correctly, like, Matched to their business, and they were spending more on that single keyword per month than our service cost.
0: We took on Matt. Same story. We took on a law firm that was spending thirty thousand dollars a month in ads. Which in the legal space, some some of these keywords are a hundred bucks a click. So that doesn't you know that goes pretty fast, but. They were doing it in-house and they had their location setting to not only people in that location, but people who are interested in that location, which is a new thing that Google rolled out. They made that automatic like 12 or 18 months ago, whenever it was. But so we dove deeper into the location report. And of that 30,000, 15,000 of it was spent on people from overseas. And they're a local law. They're spending, they're wasting $15,000 a month on people that would never hire them, that have no intent on hiring them, that are sitting in Asia or India or wherever they were. Right. It's insanity. And. (laughs) We charge them like, you know, the standard 15% to manage their stuff and and save them, you know, our $5,000 fee, save them $15,000 a month.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I hear stories like that all the time from other agency owners, like in our mastermind group and stuff. But I also, I mean, I see it live, right? You have to remember how many options are there in Google ads? There's got to be thousands, right? Literally thousands of options. And the average business owner knows how to, knows actually. I mean, if you were to give them a test and say, what is this option do? What does this option do? They probably know five or less of thousands. Like, why are, I don't, I don't even know why Google seems to think that people are going to be able to run their own ads. I mean, it's just, <laughs> there's a million ways to melt a credit card with Facebook ads or Google ads, right? I mean, just immediately, right? I mean, I talked to a guy, this was about maybe four or five weeks ago, Yeah, e-commerce business. He accidentally spent $2,400 in an hour because he didn't set his Facebook ads up correctly. And then he tried to get the money back from Facebook, which he- Yeah,
0: good luck with that. Good I, luck.
2: You know, strangely, he couldn't get it back, but because we have agency support, we were able to get him his money back. Oh, that's right? cool. So- You know, there's there's like all these things you could do as an agency and all these things like like don't waste your time doing this thing. You know what? I went to bookkeeping. I took bookkeeping when I was in college. I don't do my own books. Right. I have a bookkeeper do my books because that's what they know how to do. So like why are people out there reading 100 crappy articles about SEO, most of which aren't true in the first place? They're all copied from each other. When you can have an agency do it for you, save yourself 20 hours of time. What's your 20 hours of time really worth? And I don't want to get into it too much. Obviously, it's a little self-serving, right? I mean, we both have agencies. I don't want to tell people why they need to use an agency, but use an agency.
0: (laughs) True. That's very true.
2: So let me ask you guys this. What's next for the two of you after this book? I guess you can't do a book tour anymore right now.
0: Yeah, we could. Fortunately, we came out with this at a bad time because we were planning on doing a few and it didn't didn't work out that way. But it's been it's been pretty well received, Matt. And, you know, I run a lot of our day to day at the agency. John, you know, helps out with a lot of our strategy and a lot of our client acquisition side of things. And obviously, he's very busy running ERI. But we also have several other companies that we're invested in about a dozen different startups. Uh, Everything from some some medical companies that we're involved in. We're involved in a startup called Engage, which is becoming one of the largest talent booking engines online we're we're pretty actively busy in looking for what are what are the trends that are converging in the world and how can we use our experience and technology that we have access to to help those businesses you know develop some sort of new platform or technology to help them scale and ultimately exit the marketplace so we're always looking for the next biggest and greatest idea and we've got a few that we're working on building that we're going to be launching as as 2020 winds down into 2021 and that's kind of our trajectory is to keep keep running our agency and also keep you know, working on these great startups with a lot of great entrepreneurs that need our help to, you know, build their technology and get their get their vision launched and, and marketed.
2: That's great. And I also I wanted to ask you just one last question. I know that like we said, we're kind of a bit over time, but that's not anything strange for anybody who's listened to the podcast before. Is there anything that I haven't asked you? And maybe John, do you want to go first? Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think would be important for our listeners?
3: Well, again, I come I, I come down to. These, this is not magic. It's part art, it's part science, but it's really people. And if you pick the right people when it comes to digital advertising and digital marketing, you could take your product or service and go all the way. And that's really what I'm, well, that's really the only thing you get with experience and with age. I'm the older partner here with Brendan and I, of course. And, um, And to me, that's why our client acquisition has gone so well and retention. We not only work with our partners really well, but we also train them to make them feel like we are their partners, not just a vendor for them, and that we're as invested in their brand as they are. And that's why we continue to acquire and retain our, our clients as the months and years go by. And as Brendan said, we love taking stakes in young entrepreneurs. We also have an energy company that's just doing so well that Brendan has helped with so much in terms of getting visibility, digitally speaking. So that's really the future for us. Just more books. We're going to continue to write and share our ideas and our thoughts. And we're going to continue to help young entrepreneurs and all entrepreneurs with their digital marketing around the world.
2: And Brendan, do you have something that you want to share that I may not have asked already?
0: You know what I, I? I did a lot of talking, but I in in thirty seconds or less, Matt. I think the the big thing, and we talked a little bit about this already, but I'm a I'm a huge fan of trust. I think finding good people to work with, whether it's business partners, whether it's vendors, service providers, agencies, employees across the board, work with good people. We you know we've all had some bad apples that we've worked with over the years, whether it's a bad employee or a bad partner or a bad vendor whatever it is, but. Don't be afraid to cut those people off when you identify that it's time to get rid of them. And those that you trust that have proven their loyalty, that are doing good work for you, you know, keep them around and reward them. Whether it's a partner or an employee, it doesn't matter. You know, find ways to do little things for them. And, you know, really at the end of the day, as John said, I think no matter what we're talking about, at the end of the day, we're all people. Everybody makes mistakes, everybody has their their strengths and weaknesses. But if you find good, quality, trustworthy, hardworking people to surround yourself with, you know, you're gonna find success in business. And that's kind of been Something that John has, has taught me and a lot of my mentors have taught me and something that I try to teach people as well now that I'm in a position to do so. So I think just good, trustworthy people and, and you're going to find success.
2: Nice. Thank you, Brendan. And thanks, John, for being on the show also. It's our honor. The book is 101 Tips from the Marketing Masters, Ways to Supercharge Your Marketing and Exponentially Grow Your Business. And it's available on Amazon. We'll have a link in the show notes. You can get to our show notes at hookseo.com slash podcast. Again, guys, thank you for being on the show.
1: And it was great to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank you, Matt. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business.